0: to Cult Movie Cult, where we watch and discuss the horrific, the obscure, and the flat-out strange from the other side of cinema. I'm Mark Dickerson.
1: And I'm Jeremy Fink, and this is the fourth episode in our series Flash in the Can, the one-hit wonders of cult cinema. Today, we'll be discussing 1998's Buffalo 66, written and directed by Vincent Gallo. Get
2: right, up, get up, get up, get up, get up. Now listen to me. Listen to me. Sit down. We're taking pictures from my parents. Do you understand that? Mm-hmm. We're taking pictures like we're a couple, like we like each other, like we're we're husband and wife, and we span time together. We span time together as a couple because we're a loving couple spanning time. These photos are us in love spanning time. No bullshit faces, no funny faces. Just look like you like me. That's all I want. Just look like you like me. That's it. Can you do that? You're so weird. <laughs> All right, let's go. Yeah. Are you gonna do it or you're not gonna do it? I'll do my best. I don't want to waste more money. Just do it right, all right? We're in love, we're spanning time. Look like you like me, look like we're husband and wife, okay? I do like you, Billy. Okay, you know what I mean. I mean like you like me like you're my wife, like you're in love, that kind of like. Like we're in love spanning time, okay? And just do it right, all right? All right, I'll do my best. Don't do your best. Do it right. Okay? And don't get smart. I don't want to waste $2. Just do it right. All right. All right. Look like you love me. Let's span time. Okay? Let's span time together.
0: Billy Brown is out of prison after five years. Eventually, we learn, due to sports betting activities that he was involved in, in order to impress his parents and bring him an instant facade of normalcy, he kidnaps a random woman he runs into after using the bathroom of a dance studio, and the two of them go on a bit of an adventure together, First meeting his parents and then onto the bowling alley and eventually a seedy motel. Um, it's one of the odder friendships slash relationships between characters that I've seen in a movie. Certainly a different kind of dynamic. Um, and that's the main, uh, I would say, action of the film of you know what's actually happening. But obviously there's lots of little moments and things in between. Lots of very interesting visual uh, filmmaking techniques at play here. Which makes it one of the more interesting independent films of this time, um, in my opinion. I would say like a, a lot of variety and um, cinematic choices. Um, and but that's the basic plot of the film, and we kind of follow this character as he um, navigates through his post-prison life, and uh, it really is like the following day, I think, um, that we yeah. follow him. Yeah, yeah. Rel-
1: relatively simple plotting in this film. Very um, simple, w- which I a, think a lot of serves it.
0: You know, it. yeah, a lot of room for. The characters to to uh, have their moments and you know some good dialogue and some visual things in there as well. So now, was this your first time seeing the film? Yeah, this this
1: was my, my first okay. experience with a Vincent Gallo film. Um, okay. I'm yet to see Brown Bunny, although it's definitely mm-hmm. on my list. Uh, definitely, mm-hmm. my curiosity has peaked after yeah. seeing this film. Um, yeah, this was this was kind of an interesting experience um, as a as a film viewer because I think I was really drawn to the The techniques that were used in this film. Um, yeah, there were a lot we'll of things that, that felt sure. very experimental, very surprising. Uh, like we said, pretty simple plotting, um, which really mm-hmm. leaves room for some interesting character detail um, yeah. that kind of were uh, expanded upon in a way that most films won't dig that deep into, kind of like the little minutiae um, that, that I think was really interesting. Um, it, it was also interesting because I think that you know, we're dealing with a true anti-hero in this story, mm-hmm. um, yeah. maybe even more of the villain. You know, it, it's one of those things where I, I think, well, like, like, that's that's the thing that I, I kept thinking about with this movie um, from the beginning is, is this character likable? Um, mm-hmm. Because it didn't really, to me, seem like they were trying to make him likable or relatable. Mm-hmm. Um, it, even, even in the redeeming moments for him, he was still kind of, um, for lack of a better term, a little bit despicable, um, but for some reason he was re- a really compelling character to follow. Um, yeah, he was really interesting character to spend time with, but not in a way where it was like you know not in not in the way where it's like the Joker from Batman or something, and he's compelling because he's so evil. It, it's it's mm. almost like he's compelling because he's so messy.
0: Right you want, yeah it's like a car wreck you have to have to keep watching it even though you want to look away mm-hmm. but um yeah i mean the character is certainly a uh, a hard one to to like off especially off the bat because i mean and throughout the film he doesn't allow anyone to be close to him mm-hmm. uh, he berates his only friend and makes fun of him you know so th- there's things that he does and he's pretty much uh standoffish to everyone and has an attitude with everybody mm-hmm. and but as the film progresses you start to realize you know, why that is more and more mm-hmm. um, through different scenes. And somehow he does, you know, even though he comes off as abrasive and annoying and stuff like that in the beginning, I, I think ultimately he does become a pretty sympathetic character, which yeah. is, is an achievement, I think, because there's almost nothing, nothing yeah. there to make him one, but it, it kind of well, works. Even by it. the end, that, 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 I think that yeah. was the
1: thing that surprised me is there wasn't really, I mean, as we say, you know, on this show, full spoilers ahead. So if mm-hmm. you haven't seen the movie, I'd recommend tune out now, go watch the movie, then come back because we're about to talk about, you know, all parts of it. Um, but even by the ending when he kind of makes the decision not to go through with a crime that he's been considering mm-hmm. doing, um, it still doesn't feel like he's really doing it because, you know, he's a great dude. It's kind of just like he makes a decision in that moment not to go through with it. But I feel like he just as easily could have gone through with it. Um mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's one of those things where like, even though he does become sympathetic, I think the change is relatively small. And I think that's what for me makes it more interesting. Um, I know I know that that can kind of sound like a criticism like, oh, you know, I don't really feel like the character has really changed all that much from beginning to end. But I think a lot of the time we'll see movies that are set over a short period of time. And some great, great movies do this. Um, And it's not necessarily a critique of those movies. It's just one different way of doing it where you'll see someone change a really large amount in a day. You know, who they are at the beginning of the day versus the end of the day is totally different, which can happen in real life. Um, You know, there are obviously days in our lives where we wake up as one person and by the end of the day, we're a different person. But for the most part, you know, most days in our lives, we wake up as one person and some things happen that change us in a very minor way. And at the end of the day, we are a different person, but just very slightly. Um, And I think that that was... To me, what was so particularly interesting is the change for um, this character, the Billy Brown character for me, wasn't some monumental thing where you know he's now all of a sudden a different person and he's gonna be sweet to everybody and he's gonna turn into this great stand-up guy. It's like, you know, he has a good moment at the end of the day, he makes a good decision, he yeah, has this person-yeah, yeah, he has this person <laughs> who he's gonna go home to, he buys the little heart cookies, he calls up his friend, he's nice. But, you know, he's still a dude who has kidnapped a woman who he's now kind of he's still in a, a jerk. pseudo-relationship <laughs> with. His relationship right. with his parents hasn't been fixed at all. He still doesn't really have money. You know, mm-hmm. he's probably going yeah, to wake up the next day and kind of think better of how nice he was. And then probably make some kind of excuse. and try yeah, to, You can
0: see him going back on it the next
1: day. For yeah, like he's you know. going to try to be an asshole again. Um, And I I really like that, actually, um, just because it's it's surprising.
0: It's an interesting character, and and it's Mm -hmm. all about perception, really. You know what I mean? So what you're saying is how we perceive him in the beginning of the film, it does gradually change. And Mm -hmm. um, even though he he is basically a a jerk to everyone in the beginning, and he has that air of superiority about him, doesn't want to deal with those around him, we do start to see that vulnerability uh, from him, and uh, particularly in the scene in the motel when he's laying next to Layla uh, played by Christina Ricci and they are in the bed together and he wants to be close to her but we see you know that he just can't be for mm-hmm. one, one reason or another. Yep. Um. So he really he comes off as you know in the end comes off as I would say like a lonely loser. Uh, a de- Degenerate for sure with some antisocial issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, not great at communicating with others but you know you kind of put all that aside and you kind of just feel for him a little bit. You know, he just looks like I think even Christina Ricci says it at one point that he just looks like a little boy. I think when he's in the tub, she says that Mm -hmm. Um, he just looks like a little boy. And it's like, you kind of get that, that he just has these issues and, you know, issues with his parents, issues with his life in general, with his, you know, and so, yeah, it's just, it all comes across eventually. Well,
1: and that little boy thing I think is interesting because it does seem, especially the way the film is structured, really the first thing we learn about him, you know, we understand that he's coming out of jail. We understand that he's kidnapped this woman, but those are kind of actions you know, the, but, we, but we haven't really gotten a look into his internal life. We um, you know he has a small bladder. Yeah, we know he has a small bladder and, <laughs> and a deep rage. But we, we don't... A small yeah. bladder and a large rage. But we, 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 don't, we don't really... We, have, we haven't gotten a look into his, his internal workings yet. Um, and really the first thing we get is his parents. Um, and I think yeah. that idea of him being a little boy is interesting because the first thing we're faced to confront is him going home. And and there is this thing, I think, whenever as adults we go home, where to a certain extent we're brought back to feeling like children, at least a little bit. You know, when you're in your childhood home and your parents are making you dinner, you know, immediately those dynamics are going to start coming up, as his do. Um, so, so that idea that we're introduced to this character, we see him do a few things, but before we even can really get a feel for him, he's basically you know, turn back into this little kid again in his parents' home. And, and that's kind of what we're building from is a really interesting place to start because in a lot of movies, you know, the, the parents' backstory is generally saved unless the parents figure to be a large part of the story, which to a certain extent his parents do, but not really. You know what I mean? Like, like the, the parents in this story, they aren't really part of the main conflict of the story. Mm-hmm. They're just kind of a texture as to why this dude is acting the way he is. Um, they're,
0: they're another puzzle piece.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're a puzzle piece. And what but, makes him up? Yeah. Yeah, but like they're not really part of the the main, other than the, the football connection. But we, but we get such a we spend so much time with them, um, mm-hmm. and and I think so much of that is just so we get the feeling for this dude as this kind of lost soul who needs to be nurtured, um, needs someone to take care of him. Really, mm-hmm. is is all he's looking for. Um, yeah. But he's lost in this world of gambling and violent thought and, you know, like seedy underworld adulthood. Yeah. And and, and all he needs very, is some love, you know?
0: Right. And it, it does it is definitely a very personal film. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to talk about this movie without talking about Vincent Gallo because yes. he is a director, writer, star. Mm-hmm. Um so I wanna just go into his background a little bit here. Um, kind of diverge from the film for just a bit. Uh, so Gallo started out as a performance artist in New York, and he moved on to acting before moving on to directing his own films. He was also a b-boy in the '80s. <laughs> he was a hip hop hip hop break dancer. Yeah. So yeah. He, and uh, he also rode motorcycles. Mm-hmm. So I, he had a yeah. He's he's very well versed. He's also a mu- uh, musician as well. Well, his '80s so his
1: '80s sorry to interrupt, but his '80s period too. This is just kind of like a fun little. Side note, but he actually mm-hmm. was part of the 1981 film Downtown 81, um, okay. which is um, mostly known for the presence of the painter Jean-Michel Basquiat um, okay. and the, the, the 1980s um, New York City graffiti scene. So, wow. so this guy's roots okay, aren't yeah. coming from Hollywood. They're coming from wow. graffiti and right. you know exactly. street art.
0: And I think that's part of his appeal, too, is yeah. that he, he has that kind of street-level you know, character to him that you don't always see in Mm -hmm. in the world of film. Um, And he's multi-talented for sure. I mean, filmmaker, actor, writer, musician, motorcycle racer. Um, And then also there's his radical and outspoken views, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit, Mm -hmm. um, that he's also very much known for. Uh, He actually reminds me a lot of Quentin Tarantino Mm -hmm. uh, in certain respects. Um, You know, he came about a, a little bit later, but he was either had to be influenced by him or he just has that same sort of, Large personality. Um, You know, he's just very, you know, kind of ego driven, but also, um, you know, you watch interviews with him and you're just like, can't believe what he's talking about Mm -hmm. and the things that come out of his mouth. So he's very outspoken. Um, And that's something that I think would come back to bite him a little bit later. But he's also known for funding his own films and their low budget nature. So this film, Buffalo 66, was made for just under $2 million. Mm -hmm. Um, An interesting fact about How it was filmed, it was filmed on reversal stock, uh, which means it kind of gives it that classic look similar to the uh, NFL films Mm -hmm. uh, that you would see from like the 1960s. And it has that high color saturation and uh, contrast to it, which uh, I think adds a lot to the film just just right there. But it was very expensive to do that. And I think a lot of people uh, working on the film questioned that decision. But he was pretty steadfast about that, which I think was worth it.
1: I think I think mm-hmm. I mean it's, it's I wouldn't call it a pretty film you know it's it's not a film that you look at and you no. say oh how beautiful but I think it's but so striking right. in, yeah. in a certain way it, yeah. it's so right for the film
0: definitely definitely especially because it does involve the NFL in certain aspects and yeah. so that those old NFL like film reels you know come come to mind I think just even subconsciously mm-hmm. uh, as you're watching it. Um, and Buffalo 66 is also, you know, it's at the end of the day, I think it was a vehicle for this young filmmaker and actor, uh, Vincent Gallo. And I think in that sense, um, it is a very confident and artistically made independent film debut. This is his first feature film, um, which is pretty impressive, I think. And uh, it's also a hometown film for him because he's from Buffalo, New York. And actually, you brought up the the long scene with his parents in the film, and that was actually filmed in the house where he grew up wow. as, as well. So um, a lot of personal uh, aspects of the film, and I think Gallo in this, car- in this role does have that unhinged, unpredictable energy that he has in, in real life that you, when, you, when you see interviews with him and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, and then so it has that, which is very compelling. It also has those stylistic techniques that we talked about that sort of carry the film Um, And I want to talk about those techniques a little bit, because to me, this is a big draw of the film and a big reason why it's so memorable in a lot of people's minds. Um, So I made a list here, but I'm just going to go through a couple of these of different techniques that I saw used in the film that were very evident. And not all of them are used throughout. Some of them are just used for maybe a scene or two. Um, But so here's here's a couple. So use of multiple screens overlaid that kind of happens for just one moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a lot of jump cuts throughout the film. Uh, a lot of off-center framing. There's uh, when the scene with the family during dinner time. There's the multiple fades to black when they're just kind of sitting there. Mm-hmm. There's also the surreal uh, lip syncing to audio recordings, like uh, when the father does that, and mm-hmm. also the tap dancing scene, a couple yeah. of musical moments there, and of course the photo booth scene, which is probably the most uh, the most iconic from this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, when with him and Christina Ricci just sitting in the the photo booth and the camera doesn't change. We're just in that. Uh, that view from the photo booth for mm-hmm. the full whatever it is. Few a minutes long time,
1: there.
0: yeah. Yeah, it's a long time, but it's a great scene. I think that scene yeah. works really well. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, but, but what did you what did you think, Jeremy, of these techniques? Um, did they work for you when you viewed the film? Did, were they distracting? Uh, um, how did you feel? I thought for the most
1: part they worked. I didn't love the photo overlay thing. Um, just I, for me, it just is one of those things where that kind of drew attention to itself in a way that, that one, I felt yeah. the others didn't, um, and, and it's mostly most. it's mostly because I felt that what was being done with that could have been done with cuts. Um, mm-hmm. That that's generally for me as a filmmaker yeah. and film viewer. I but love. So
0: you get the idea that he's trying things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's right experimental.
1: I think generally for me, when it comes to experimental techniques, um, my thing is if that technique is the most interesting and efficient way to express an idea. I love it. Um, I think generally if you're doing something experimental that can be done in a more straightforward way to a greater effect, um, that's when I kind of will be like, oh, that's a little distracting. Um, so I thought that was a little distracting. I loved, my, my favorite effect of the whole movie was um, right at the end when he's having kind of his vision of shooting the yeah, the NFL the player. Frame. Yeah, and it, it's not, yeah, it's kind of a freeze frame, but it's like, they, they they came up with this great special effects makeup thing mm-hmm. where like the blood was spurting out of this dude's head but just suspended in the air. But it wasn't yeah, just like a, a still. It was
0: It's like a three D animation of a still. It's kinda like um Fight Club did it. Yeah. Year, uh, a little bit as well. Similar yeah. technique.
1: Exactly. I, I love that. Because it, it does it really so, cool. Yeah. Well, and it felt so purposeful to the moment. And I think that right. for me, you know, the, the experimental moments in this film that I really love were the ones that felt like they were totally of the moment, you okay. know, that, that they totally were the complete emotion mm-hmm. and feeling.
0: It was like, this is the only way that he could have. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The right.
1: only and most unique way that he could have mm-hmm. expressed that idea.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, and I think it works really well in that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely because it's like that's the definitive moment right there, you know. And yeah. and you think and eventually you do think that he goes he goes through with it. So, yeah. I um, I believe that. Which a lot of the yeah. time I do. I actually forgot yeah. <laughs> that he, I forgot there was that, that extra ending yeah. on there because yeah. Well, I
1: I've, I've definitely seen those scenes before where, you know, it'll be someone doing something drastic and then we cut back to them and we realize that they haven't done it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time I find myself not believing that they actually did it when it's happening. You know what I mean? Because they don't set but this the character. character yeah. yeah, you
0: can see him. Doing yeah,
1: something. because a lot of the time a character won't be set up for us yeah. to believe that they'll actually mm-hmm. go through with the thing. We we yeah, understand. But this, guy, but this guy, you're like, you know, he could... He's at like, the end of his rope here. Yeah. yeah he's Well, and also, you know, and, and this might be a context thing, and maybe if this movie had come out and, you know now or a different time period it might not have been such a thing where it was believable but in the 90s you saw a lot of movies with kind of downer endings you know it was we were kind of at like the peak of the Sundance era when he was making this movie so it wasn't you know experimental indie filmmaking was kind of the you know the, yeah. the thing at that time so it wouldn't have been surprising to just have the movie end with him killing a bunch of people, which to yeah. me, I was like, I was like, wow, they're actually, you know, they're going to do it. But I yeah, I <laughs> yeah. believe it. I believe that that character would do that. And exactly. then when it cut back, I was like, oh, OK. You know, it, it was actually a surprising yeah, thing to do there.
0: Right. And and as far as techniques go, there are some big overblown things like you, you mentioned the multiple screens uh in the beginning and I, I agree i think that's maybe a little overdone mm-hmm. um but there's also like some little things there like some even more subtle things um that i noted the the one shot in the beginning where he's running around when he's looking looking for a bathroom after being released from prison um there's one shot where the camera seems to fall over for an instant oh yeah 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 i, I don't know if you noticed that but mm-hmm. it, like it's just like at the very end of a shot, yeah, or or it might have been the beginning, but it just it shows the spirit of the film, and like, yeah. You know, that they left that in, you know what I yeah. mean. Even if it was done intentionally, I, mm-hmm. I found it an interesting like stylistic choice to me. Yeah. and you, you see that sort of creative filmmaking technique, like utilizing those sorts of techniques throughout mm-hmm. the film. So I, you know, yeah. I appreciate things like that. Little,
1: yeah, shot. I actually really love that moment. I <laughs> thought that was so weird, and you know, and that was one that drew attention to itself. But I was just like, that's just so bold. Oh, you know what, so what I mean? Quick. Yeah, it was yeah like it's, it's so quick, but it's just like... like it and you clearly... don't really
0: know if it was done intentionally or if it was something yeah. they just left in. Or
1: Well, and, and I think I may have discussed this on this podcast before, but I, I heard this... I, I can't remember if it was an article or an interview with Greta Gerwig, the director of Lady Bird and you know actress mm-hmm. in countless movies. Um, and she was talking about the thing that she loves about theater is that there's always a feeling that something could go wrong. And if it goes wrong, it's happening in real time. Um, Mm -hmm. whereas with film, there isn't the feeling that something could go wrong because we all understand that it's been edited carefully, that if something has gone wrong, it, every effort has been made to make it (laughs) not go wrong. Um, so I, I kind of love those moments in movies where it almost feels like it was a mistake, Mm -hmm. but it's in a movie that's constructed well enough that you kind of say, no, like they could have gotten rid of that moment. You know, well, th- that not was a, a not mistake choice. that it was left in, but a mistake yeah.
0: that like if it was intentionally filmed that way by mistake. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and, it, and it,
1: gives, it gives it a certain when, when you see something like that and you're like, oh, geez, that's, you know, a little surprising. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of puts you on the edge of your seat where right. you have right to say, bat, you know, yeah. is is this is this something that's a little sloppy or like are they mm-hmm. doing something really, really next level? And it yeah. could be a little bit of both. But when you kind of lean in like that and you start paying attention a little extra because you're kind of looking for surprising elements. When, when like, you know, when you're looking for something surprising, you're gonna be surprised. Mm-hmm. You know, you are you're gonna find things that you otherwise wouldn't find. Um, so I, I, I actually really, really thought yeah. that moment served a pretty good purpose in the yeah, scope of it's the just, film.
0: Just a little thing, but mm-hmm. Also the those musical scenes I mentioned the yeah. tap dancing one uh, the one where his father's uh lip-syncing to an audio recording mm-hmm. um and then even the even the ending when he walks into the strip club and he's about to shoot the the football player um you know that's all done just just music so yep. how did those moments work for you did you, did you think the those scenes were you know effective in their own way
1: Yeah I did I think I think I had to I think the one that kind of gave me the hardest time was the dad singing. Um, Just because I had to like remove myself a little bit from it because... It
0: was very Blue Velvet, I felt like. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: Because up to that point, it felt like we were dealing with this very like gritty, you know, realist cinema verite kind of thing. And then all of a sudden we had this moment where it was like clearly not him singing. Um, And it was, you just had to purely accept how surreal and strange it was. So it kind of caught me off guard a little bit. But then I kind of settled into it. And started to accept the film as a little bit stranger and not necessarily just real life. Um, Yeah, and
0: that that moment I thought was strange as well. And then I read something about it later and it made a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Because right before that he says, he's telling Christina Ricci's character how he used to sing and he used to sing with Sinatra. Mm -hmm. And he has this great voice and everything. And then it cuts to a scene of him actually just lip syncing to a record, which is like you know, this kind of deception. And I feel like maybe that's saying something about his character Exactly. Or yeah. his relationship to Billy, his son, you know, so there's more to that than, yeah. than meets the eye, which I appreciate. Yeah. I think um, it's an
1: it, expressionistic flourish that was yeah. presented to not be expressionistic. <laughs> like, it's like very, when, when we're building right, up to exactly. it, you don't expect something yeah. expressionistic. Yeah. But at so its that's core, what kind of throws you a off. It's surreal expressionistic. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. It's certainly kind of dreamlike and mm-hmm. also the tap dancing moment um, when, uh, Layla has her little moment in the bowling alley. She kind of just like walks over to the side and starts tap dancing, mm-hmm. um, which we did see her do in the first scene with her where, where he walks into the tap dancing class. Yeah. Um, but, but I, you know, honestly, I don't even know the answer to this. So I'm going to ask you, what do you think the purpose of that moment is? What, what do you think that's trying to say? Um, if, you, if anything, you know, it's
1: really, it's really interesting because at this point I, I watched this film about two weeks ago, week and a half ago, and I've kind of reviewed it. But I didn't I didn't get to give it a second viewing and that weirdly wasn't a moment that like even sh- like, kind of shook me or like I didn't question it so so it's weird because this is kind of the first like it just it just kind of yeah. at that point I guess the way they had built up to it especially <laughs> with the the whole singing scene and everything and how we had kind yeah. of moved through the story to me it kind of just felt like it was just part of what was happening I, and, and I, I don't know if that's necessarily a a, a good thought-provoking answer, well, but it just kind of seemed to like... No, it, it makes sense because it's yeah. a movie
0: where things just happen. Yeah, things you know? just things happen. Just, yeah, Right. So, yeah, and I, I don't know, like... I feel like that's a very debated scene. Like, I feel like people will look into yeah. that. And I don't know. Maybe he just wanted to, <laughs> yeah, maybe, to have maybe, a maybe moment just, where, Yeah, maybe he needed to yeah. fill up
1: a little time to reach, you know, yeah, a, a 75 or 80 minute... I don't know. It, no, no, it is it's a nice long moment, movie. Yeah, it, it's a good like. But yeah, um, but no, I, and I think, you know, maybe thinking about it, that is kind of showing... You know? Maybe it's
0: showing the difference of like, sorry, not just, I just, yeah. a thought popped in my head of like, maybe that's showing the difference between the two characters. kind yeah, of. Yeah, that she's exemplifying dancing. That. And, yeah, and it also might be kind her of kind of and...
1: really settling in. Like that could kind of be a turning point because there is this kind of Stockholm syndrome thing where, yeah, you definitely. know, at first we're, we're like, oh, this is, this is going to be the conflict. It's that he's kidnapped this woman and yeah. she's going to revolt or run away at some point. And like that for me was kind of a moment where we see that she's kind of like leaning into it a little bit. Mm-hmm. that maybe she's not going to bolt, that maybe, you know, right. she's kind of settled in and she feels yeah, loose enough to sure. dance. Yeah.
0: Right. At first you're not like, okay, mm-hmm. She's looking for an opportunity to get away? Yeah. Um, well, actually, this is a good chance to talk about Christina Ricci in this mm-hmm. role because I think if we're going to talk about Vincent Gallo's character, I think we have to also oh, talk yeah. about her character. Mm-hmm. Um, so she plays Layla, um, and Vincent Gallo had some pretty harsh words to say about her involvement after the film. You know, was after it was released and everything like that. Um, but I thought that you know, I thought Christina Ricci did a great job. I thought she took what was sort of a thankless role as Billy's suffering hostage or mm-hmm. fake girlfriend basically. Yeah. Um and it makes a character pretty sympathetic and oh, yeah. you know, she she has this very playfully in- innocent quality to her. And I think yeah, I thought she did a great job with it. Um and I you know, I I think you could yeah, I think it easily could have been a role that could have just been there and went oh, yeah. by the wayside you know because mm-hmm. especially when you're acting against a personality like vincent gallo has yes. um it's it'd be hard to stand out but i think because she does something that's so the opposite of him it just works so well mm-hmm. um, but what do you think about their relationship so know, in the film
1: so i have to be totally transparent christina Ricci is one of my favorite actresses of all time oh, she's great yeah, yeah. Ev- everything i see her in i i <laughs> love. even the other night um there's some like goofy I mean, it's not goofy. I shouldn't say that. But, but you know, it, it's, like, kind of meant to be more like popcorn entertainment. There There's this 90s movie called Now and Then, which was basically... I know exactly that movie? what you're yeah. about. And yeah. so, like, like, the other night, I, I was hanging out with my girlfriend, and it, we were both exhausted and needed a movie to throw on, and mm. that popped up on Netflix, so we just watched Perfect. it. And <laughs> even, like, even in that, I was like, you know, she's really good in this, like, mm-hmm. you know, this... Yeah, these this movie about these girls just having like a summer like it's just like a, a summer nostalgia kids movie. But like I'm like, she's really good. So so full disclaimer, she's one of my favorites. So I'm mm-hmm. biased. But I thought, yeah, like you said, I thought she brought a dimensionality to this character. Um, I was actually talking to a friend of mine who we were almost going to have on this podcast, but mm-hmm. he booked a feature film doing some work on that. So, you know, shout yeah. out props to him. Good luck um, to him. Yes. Good luck to him. Um but I was saying to her, you know, my one critique – well, not my one critique, but one of my things that I would have liked to have seen in this movie is kind of more about who she was and who, where she came from. And he said, no, no, no. The whole point is that we don't know, but she's still so compelling, um, which I thought was really interesting because it's like, like early on in the scene – or early on in the film, rather, um, right after he's kidnapped her, she has ample opportunity to get away. It's not yeah. like they're in the middle of nowhere. They're in a parking lot. Yeah. She's taking dance classes inside. He, doesn't, he hasn't shown her a weapon or anything like that. Yeah. There are people around. Like, she had ample opportunity to run away, she, but she, she didn't. She, right. You know, she made a conscious choice to stay. And so my friend has said, you know, like, what an interesting character that we don't know who she is and why she would stay. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. I think that there's a certain truth to that. And I don't think every actor or actress could have pulled that off where it was interesting. Right. I think other people with maybe a less sophisticated, you know, filmic vernacular might have she might have just seemed kind of stupid in that moment. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, there's her opportunity. Why isn't she running? But Yeah, at
0: no point, yeah, at no point did I find myself yelling at the screen like, get away, you know? Yeah. Because she just has this innocent quality to her. And it's just like and it's that innocence that kind of just makes her character. And I think it makes a certain Certain kind of sense that she yeah. would stay with him because she's she sees something in him yeah. and she wants to bring it out of him and and she does feel some sort of odd connection with him and mm-hmm. for whatever reason that is I mean yeah. we never really find out because we don't know much about her life but mm-hmm. um but there is something there and it's it's almost yeah. unspoken
1: well you know? I think it's like an innocent an innocence paired with darkness I, I and I think and I think maybe that's the reason why Christina Ricci got cast as Wednesday Adams in the first place is yeah. she's all you know she's always kind of had this thing where, you know, she seems like she'll be in a role where she seems like a perfectly nice person doing nothing darker outside of the ordinary, but, and and like, she seems sweet, but it seems like there's something really kind of like damaged always going on behind her eyes. Um, And I don't know much about her in real life. Um, You know, like, because she's one of my favorites, I've almost to a certain level, maybe have like avoided learning too much about the actress because... She's one of those people who is just so fun to like watch in movies. Mystique. Yeah, like yeah. you, like yeah, like, like there's certain actors mm. who you can like, like yeah, get, whenever you, she shows up, it's like hey, it's Christina. like oh hey, there she is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah interesting. Uh, but yeah, but I, but I think that that darkness too, where it's like, she, like this yearning where she's with this guy who's kidnapped her, and she's choosing to stay, and it's a certain level of innocence where it's like, oh, you know, she feels bad for him, but it's also like, what is she running away from? Right. You know what? Why? Yeah, you get that feeling that
0: she's yeah, maybe her situation at home is not yeah. great either, and she's kind of. You know, like this is a better alternative to her, exactly, like more, or or at least a more exciting alternative. A
1: more exciting um, alternative, exactly, yeah. yeah. And it, it, but it, it, and it, it's interesting because it, it almost has this like Bonnie and Clyde kind of feel.
0: I, I was just about to say, but that. but like
1: it's all brought upon. <laughs> but like different. they're not really doing anything. But you know yeah. what I mean? Like if you think about it, like in this whole movie, they don't really like other than him kidnapping her. The two of them together don't really do much of anything. Yeah. They, they go to I, his parents' house. They go to a diner. They go bowling. I
0: think she gets the idea pretty early on that he's like a
1: loser. You yeah. know what
0: I mean? Like, I don't think she's very uh, afraid of him, I yeah. would say. But, but it's interesting quiet, you, kinda, yeah.
1: because as a couple, they feel so dangerous. Like, they feel like that mm-hmm. Bonnie and Clyde mm-hmm. couple or, you know. Or like the Sid and Nancy kind of this, Yeah, the like, Sid and yeah. Nancy. Or, you know, so many of the examples of, like, this couple on the edge doing crazy things. But, like, you know, they're not taking... Drugs right there I don't think there's no, no they're not they're, taking they're not drugs film, no. you know they're not killing anybody They're not on the run from anybody yeah. like they're doing the most banal things you <laughs> they go possibly his ad- parents. <laughs> Yeah, like the, the only real conflict is that is that Billy has a dark fantasy of doing something crazy in his yeah. head That he ultimately no doesn't even... go through with. So right. it's like like really mm-hmm. it's just the story of like this guy kidnaps this yeah. woman and then they hang out again It's, you know it's I mean? all about it's perception. Like, it's all about perception, really. all like, perception. um, yeah. um and there is that hotel
0: scene I mentioned where, mm-hmm. or motel rather, yeah. uh, where um, they're laying in the bed together. And that's such a good sh- show don't tell scene. Yeah, We talk about that in film. Um, so instead of having dialogue explaining what's going on, and there mm-hmm. is some dialogue, but in the scene in particular, is pretty much just uh, that overhead shot. It's silent, you know, except for music and um, just showing them next to each other. And I think it says so much just without any words. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Billy finally cuddles up to her and kind of gets in that fetal position yeah um and it just like it's just like a nice scene and it doesn't need any dialogue and and I think that moment's like a real turning point for his character and for us watching the film and and I think that's part of why when he doesn't go through with killing the football player at the end you kind, mm. it does make sense you know because you've seen that that relationship start to become something, yeah, and I think he sees that too.
1: Mm-hmm. Which, once again, though, which, which I think is the thing that makes it interesting, is it kind of seems like it's started to become something, but it's not really there, – there's not substantial yeah. groundwork for a relationship. It's Not yet. You know, yeah. need to work on it a little bit. Yeah. The, 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 they're, they're, building, they're building the house on a swamp. It's right. Not, you know, it's not it's, – it's not, it's not, the foundation hasn't been laid well at all.
0: Yeah. But, but it also, could go somewhere.
1: It could go somewhere. It could. But,
0: it really could, yeah. I mean it could go – it's one of those things that could go either way. Mm-hmm. Um and also he <laughs> in that moment uh after he well I guess it's after he we see him shoot the football player and it goes into that kind of surreal f- freeze frame type animation mm-hmm. uh we see that quick <laughs> i guess it's a flash forward cut to his imagined uh what how his parents would react uh you know sitting by the side of his his uh gravesite and his mom's <laughs> right. busy busy watching the bills and his dad could care less, and it's just like yeah. this kind of really dark comedic moment yeah. that I I kind of appreciated, and it's like that also mm-hmm. just says something about his character and yeah. another reason why he's like you know what he's like despite all this I'm gonna mm-hmm. go a different path you know, yeah. um, so and and let's talk about the parents real quick because mm-hmm. we have the great Ben Gazzara, mm-hmm. uh, who plays Billy's father. Always and terrific. He's always good, and mm-hmm. the great Angelica Houston mm-hmm. who plays his mother um, almost. Unrecognizable, I thought, because yeah. uh, I actually almost forgot it was her at first. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess she has a, a wig on in this role, but yeah. Um, and I can't. I also can't recall her acting in a role like this, where she plays this type of character. Yeah, that's sort of just like oblivious and kind of yeah. floaty. And she's normally like um, the intellectual. Like I'm thinking about in right.
1: Royal Tenenbaums. You know, it's like yeah, exactly. Yeah. You s-
0: you'd normally see her in that kind of role. And also, mm-hmm. Morticia Adams. So it's a little yeah. Adams family reunion oh, yeah, here. I didn't even think about uh, that with, with her and Christina. Very funny, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they're both really great in the film, and I think they both do their jobs. uh, After the film came out, Vincent Gallo also had some things to say about Angelica Houston, and Mm -hmm. because apparently they didn't get along on set, and he thought that she was responsible for the film maybe not playing in certain festivals and not doing as well as it could have. So Mm -hmm. there's you know there's lots of behind the scenes things like that, and we'll get into that a little bit more. Um, Also, there is Kevin Corgan who plays. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess Goon is what he calls Goon him. Goon slash Rocky. <laughs> slash Rocky. Um, and that's interesting because Corgan is not credited for this performance. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he was somewhat uncomfortable with his role or with his performance mm-hmm. or both. Um, I guess his involvement in the film in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, I, I mean, I like him in this film. I think he is oh, yeah. another, he's another one of those innocent characters. And I think he comes across like Lenny from Of Mice and Men where he's kind of just like you can tell there's maybe something wrong with him mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very, you know, like he's slow, but but he's also just so well-meaning and he just, you know, he, he has a good heart. And mm-hmm. I think that's what uh, Vincent Gallo's character responds to ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he's a good presence in the film. And I think it makes sense that, Billy would have like some sort of friend that he's in cahoots with, you know, from his hometown and things mm-hmm. like that. So, yeah. um, but what do you think about that character?
1: Yeah, I, I like that character. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think he, he was one of those characters where I wasn't particularly invested in him as a character, but I thought he was kind of more there to serve our main serve character, yeah. um, which is fine. You know, there's mm-hmm. only room for so many stories. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. In a film, it's interesting though, looking at at this cast right now. I know we're jumping a little bit, but you know, as we're getting into some of these slightly more, you know, background characters in the story, um, there's also Mickey Rourke as the bookie, yeah, who uh, just has one scene, one scene, and then Rosanna Arquette as Wendy Balsam, as Wendy.
0: Well, I definitely want to talk about that scene because that's an important scene. Mm -hmm. Um, so Billy takes Layla, who he He calls Wendy. He's like, I'm going to call mm-hmm. you Wendy from now on. Um, so he takes her to this Denny's, which I forgot they actually go to a Denny's, and this yeah. is pretty great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in one of their misadventures. So they go there and they sit down, and of course, they sit right next to Billy's old crush from middle school, mm-hmm. who's named, oddly enough, Wendy. Wendy. Um, and yeah, played by Rosanna Ar- Arquette. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like, it's a great scene of like, just the embarrassment, also just like the uncomfortableness, and mm-hmm. it's just. Uh, played for comedy, but also it's just really sad. And it's so just, sad. I think that's when you see just how sad uh, Vincent Gallo's character yeah. is. Well, you pathet- know, pathetic. Not how pathetic. Not even just pathetic yeah. Right. It's just it's pathetic. like
1: because it's one thing to take on the fake girlfriend, but it's like he's so stuck in the past and oh, so. Oh, yeah. he has holding a picture of things. her still. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and it, but you realize it's someone he didn't even date her. Yeah, just, and then when you find of, out that yeah. right
0: in the later scene in the in the motel, they, he tells uh, he tells Layla that he never even dated her. He's ne- In fact, he's never had a girlfriend. So, yeah. you know, it's things like that that mm-hmm. just really make him more of a, a sympathetic yeah. character. It, it's interesting because in a
1: way, you know, obviously at this point, this movie is over 20 years old. Um, as, as we look at kind of contextual things culturally, you know, I feel like um, the Billy Brown character kind of fits the archetype of what we would might maybe refer to as like the incel today mm-hmm. in a way. Um yep. Which is Joker. an interesting thing, <laughs> yeah. Well, Joker a little bit. Uh, I don't. Know. Have you? No, had I'm mostly kidding. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, a little bit with Joker. I yeah. think he's maybe a different case than everyone mm-hmm. you know made it out to yeah. be. But I think that this movie kind of really fits that role. You know, it's like this this lonely guy with, you know, yeah. the, like he could of,
0: go one way or it could go another. Could go
1: another. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's interesting because this is a sympathetic exploration of that character, which I don't think we would really get now and i think and i think mark have you gotten to see joker yet at this point i have seen it you have seen it at this point so mm-hmm. yeah cuz i think one one of the things with that film why i would say you know it's kind of not a full exploration of like male rage or anything like that in a way that maybe a taxi driver or something was is that it felt like in that movie to me and i like that movie to preface this but i thought that it felt like a lot of things were happening to him and, and everything he did was a reaction to things that happened to him. And one of the things I really liked about Buffalo 66 is it felt like, you know, we saw our main character doing bad things just because sometimes he was in a bad mood. It wasn't You're gonna because... going to do bad things, Billy. <laughs> yeah, it, it, was, it wasn't just because he was... It wasn't because it wasn't like a reactionary thing where, oh, this bad thing happened and then he did this bad thing. It was like we understand some bad things that happened in his past, but like...
0: Of- also, he's been in prison for five years. He's been stewing on these yeah. He's these been stewing. revenge
1: fantasies. And- yeah, like he's a rage-filled dude yeah. who is not really tr- like like he's dark and not in a way that makes you feel good as a viewer. Not in a way where you're like, oh, he's so dark. Like you don't really feel, start to feel like bad for him until he takes down the revenge persona. You know what I mean? In, instead yeah. of like instead of rooting for him to get revenge or instead of rooting for him to overcome, you're kind of just like, oh, you know. Like, mm-hmm. like the poor guy, you know, he need he needs help. It, it, I think with the Joker, it's like, by the end, you're kind of like, all right, good. Like, I hope he does it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like he deserves to have his day in the, in the sun. Whereas this guy, it's like, you know, this guy doesn't need his day in the sun. He just needs his day, you know, in a nice, warm, loving home. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but that does lead us to talking about that almost final scene. Mm-hmm. So we, we had talked about it a little bit when he, uh, so the film sort of culminates with Billy taking his revenge right or mm-hmm. fantasizing about taking it yeah. so so he tracks down where this football player i think ex-football player by this point right yeah he was uh, definitely the, retired the, yeah, no, the kicker, no kicker you know, no kicker is that heavy <laughs> exactly yeah. good point uh the kicker who um who basically was the one who who cost him everything and landed him in jail uh because of a bet he made well in in billy's head this makes sense yeah. of course um so because he wants someone to you know exact his revenge on. So mm-hmm. um, so he goes into the strip club where he is the owner of and uh, tracks him down. And the whole basically the whole movie's been him just waiting it out and, and waiting to, to to confront this man mm-hmm. and exact his revenge. So we get to that moment where he pulls a gun on him and you know, and then as we mentioned, he we assume that he takes a gunshot, we see the freeze frames on each shot, one to the football player and one to his own head. Um And then it shows the path that, you know, that he could have taken. Uh, And I think it shows the path he could have taken if this woman, Layla, had not come into his life. Mm -hmm. Um, So then he thinks better on it and doesn't do it. And he walks out and he goes to a donut shop. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, there's something so heartwarming about him buying her that hot chocolate that she's been wanting Mm -hmm. and a donut and buying yeah. cookies for the customers. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just I just love that final scene. It's like I was talking about it with my brother because he he likes this movie a lot too and and he's saying how it feels dreamlike. Like it's almost like two... it's like Almost like too, good too good to sweet, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like such a happy ending, but it's kind of works in such a weird way. Yeah. Um. But what did you think about that that ending?
1: Yeah, I mean, year? like when I was watching it, I was kind of like almost like didn't believe that it would just turn on a dime that fast. Mm-hmm. Um. But like the more I kind of think about it, it's like we've all had those moments of relief in our life where we yeah. almost make you just want to go really like, stupid decision. Buy a cookie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like when like, when you almost do something stupid or like or even even if it's not like an intentional thing. Where it's like you know, like I, I, like if you have a moment where you're driving and your car slips on some ice, but luckily there's no other cars around, mm-hmm. or so, or it's just something bad almost happens, and you're like, oh, you know yeah. what? Everything's not so bad. Let's let's I'm just, go live. Yeah, I'm gonna go I'm gonna live go, and be like decent today. You know, it's
0: like go eat something bad for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, that that donut shop is just like perfect. I think like it just yeah. looks like when you walk into a, a donut shop late at night. Mm-hmm. I don't know if any donut shop would be open past two a.m. But yeah, well, it's like uh, kind of know, a diner. You know, a diner. Yeah, donut it's like shop, a little bit. Yeah. bit yeah and it just has like those crusty old donuts in the background, and yeah. the I think he casts that with locals, um the people mm-hmm. that were work that were in the in the shop so um it just has like a really even though it's a little bit too saccharine sweet it's it has yeah it's it's like a nice a nice capper and it it is sort of yeah. genuine, i think it feels genuine one well, after
1: after a movie that is kind of almost totally void of sweet moments. You know, yeah, it's kind of, you know, it's, it, it's surprising. It's, it's like it's almost subversive. like
0: it's like did they did a producer make him tack on this ending? Yeah. But then at the same time, it's like, no, I mean, in a way, it's in line with the rest of the film because it's unexpected. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's unpredictable. Um, so it does make sense in a certain well, way. And, and having
1: seen some of the experimental stuff that's in the rest of the movie, I'd have a very hard time seeing any producer convincing him to do something he didn't want to do yeah exactly everything uh, else that's in there i yeah. mean the
0: fact that he shot on reversal film and yeah like and like he that. wasn't he wasn't
1: being told which which i think is a nice segue as we uh get close to wrapping up here yeah. um i think one thing we need to so this is our one hit wonder series um, and I think one thing we need to talk about is kind yeah. of Vincent Gallo's film. career and why, and why <laughs> maybe, because it did seem like he was really out of the gate with this, a really yeah, explosive yeah. new film talent That's... that was destined to go on to be right there with exactly a- any of um, them.
0: For such a self-assured debut film. I mean, yeah. it, and it was on everyone's radar. It was pretty big when it, you know, it made a splash when it came out, yeah. let's say, um, for indie film at that time. And Gallo Star, yeah, is this kind of faded throughout the years uh, mm-hmm. since this film? Um, there was Brown, The Brown Bunny, which mm-hmm. he released in 2003. Mm-hmm. And that also made a splash in the indie film world, but maybe not for the best reasons. No. Um, it's even somewhat notorious for its mm-hmm. non simulated uh, fellatio scene. Mm-hmm. But it was in no way the indie darling that Buffalo 66 no. was. It um, didn't have the same charm or impact that this film had, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, it was seen also as more pretentious and. Yep even gratuitous, well, clearly because of that one scene. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is Vincent Gallo receiving that Felicio, by the way. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I, I, you know, I talked to Jeremy about this a little bit before. Um, I, I, I have only seen that movie once, but I remember liking it. um, And so I don't think it's like a bad film or anything like that, but Mm -hmm. it's just very, I think it's very different in certain ways. And I think maybe he went in a direction people didn't want him to go, but Mm -hmm. that's also Vincent Gallo, you know, in a certain way he, he does his own thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that film is an artistic statement in its own right, and I would say, like I like I said, not a bad film that I re- can recall. And, mm-hmm. um, but as for impact, you know, we could definitely, uh, I would definitely consider Gallo a one-hit wonder in terms yep. of, of how we're analyzing these films. You know, it, the way we've looked at films in the mm-hmm. series. Um, and uh, Buffalo 66, it was it was a, a sort of a singular film in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. And so, yeah, he his star kind of faded. And I, I think part of that may be due to his larger-than-life persona that we talked about a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, some would say brash, I guess, yeah. personality that he has. Um, I think he rubs people the wrong way a yeah. lot of times. Um, and he acquired somewhat of a reputation in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, Christina Ricci and him had issues, as well as Angelica Houston in him. Um, also Lance Accord the DP on this film also had a difficult working relationship with Vincent Gallo. Um and I won't read the things that he said about people but he you know if you can look them up if you want but no. they're, they're not nice. Uh yeah. he was not nice and if he has his reasons and that's that's on him but um like I said I think he just rubs people the wrong way. He does have sort of a brash attitude. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, when you kind of analyze these things and you look you look back you you, ca- you start to see even though this was such a promising debut, um, maybe these are the types of things that led to his downfall, and we don't really hear much from him anymore. Um, yeah. Unless, unless Jeremy, unless me and you are just out of the loop
1: yeah, on that well, one. But
0: I haven't really. I, mean, I think he. You know, he's still making films. It's just that we haven't really. Yeah, uh, they haven't had the impact. One well, from what I
1: understand, he's there. had a couple unreleased films as well. Um, okay. For various reasons, um, but it's interesting. I know he's acted as well. Yeah, he's he's, act, he's acted a bit. I, I think it, I think it's a, he's kind of an interesting case, um, which is why I, why I wanted to bring up the fact that he was in the Downtown '81 film with Jean-Michel Basquiat, and he has kind of these fine art roots. Is mm-hmm. the film world is a place where it's very hard to work as an island. Um, it's, yes. and and not obviously there's the the reason that you need a certain amount of money to make movies. You know, it's expensive. But also just the reason that, you know, making movies takes a lot of collaboration generally to make them of a certain caliber Mm -hmm. and of a certain scope. Um, And and it's interesting. I mean, I'd actually like to read something. I have Vincent Gallo's website pulled up and, you know, this isn't a critique of him. This is just – this is literally what it says on his page. But if you go to the contact page on his website – Um, What it says is there's a little paragraph, and I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'll kind of paraphrase. But he says, this is a personal contact page for me, Vincent Gallo. As it is personal, I would like to say a few things about this contact address. Do not send me scripts, as I have never read a script in my life, including one to films I've acted in and ones that I've written and directed. I only accept legal pay or play offers from attorneys. Please don't tell me about the film you're going to make one day. I'll be dead long before that happens. Any day now, maybe. Do not ask for signed photographs, as I do not keep any photographs of myself and have never had a headshot keep checking the merchandise page. Eventually, I will try to offer signed photos. Um, and, it, and it keeps going. There's some other stuff that gets a little crazier. Uh, okay. but, but it's one of those things where, you know, I think Vincent Gallo is one of those people who never played the Hollywood game, um, which is so wonderful yeah, and I mean, a little sad at the same time. Um, it's,
0: uh, it's both impressive, but yeah. also, like, uh, I guess, unrealistic, yeah. maybe. He, 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 yeah. He's
1: a real 100% individual mm-hmm. who refuses on any level to you know compromise his individual desires vision for anybody else um which Mm -hmm. i think works better for a painter it works better for a sculptor it works better for a writer of novels um and i think for a filmmaker it causes problems but i think you know as as an audience we're really lucky that we have a couple films from a person who is like that because it's so rare um Mm -hmm. and and i think it's something that whether you love them Hate him, There's probably not a lot of people that have opinions in between. You know, we have to at least appreciate the fact that we've gotten something totally unfiltered from a totally unfiltered human being.
0: Definitely, he's unique, and this movie is very unique. Uh, actually, is are there any other de- debut films from a filmmaker that you can think of that would compare to this film? Like, I, you know, I, I'm sure they exist. I'm just can't. Off it, the top of my in head, terms of I'm being like, so like so just, personal, just being so well, not even personal, just so. Um, it's so singular in, in its vision and kind of, uh, I don't know, just the, the styles. It's very, like I said before, it's very self-assured. It's very confident. Yeah. The, film. O- the
1: only thing that really comes to mind for me is Reservoir Dogs. Um, yeah. Well, well, again, Tarantino. Yeah, yeah, Tarantino. There's some parallels there. Yeah, I, I mean, they, yeah. don't get me wrong. There's some, there's some terrific debut Tarantino films played, out there. Tarantino but... played
0: his cards a little bit better. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. in the long run. In the long run. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it took him a while, but... yeah. Um. Yeah, but it's interesting. Like, we could have lived in a world where Vince Gallo became like Quentin Tarantino, sort of, you know? It's yeah. it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the end, uh, I really enjoyed this film. Watching it again, um, it is, I would say, a favorite of mine. I, I really like this movie. And watching this as a filmmaker, especially, it's one of those movies that makes you want to make movies. That's mm-hmm. what I realized watching it. Because yeah. <laughs> right afterwards, I was like, you know, I want to start writing another script. Like, yeah. I just, you yeah, know, it's kind of doable. Going. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah cuz it's it's not a crazy budget, you know, and yeah. it's a very simple idea, a very simple plot, mm-hmm. not too many characters, you yeah. know, and and it's just like and it, all the techniques he uses, all the visual uh, styles there are, it's just like it just has that feel. It just makes you want to be an altor go out there and make a movie if you, if you're inclined to do so. Absolutely. Um, so I appreciate I always appreciate when a movie makes you feel like that, so. Mm-hmm. Um but uh that's Buffalo 66 and We have one more episode left in this series, and that's going to be American Psycho. It's going to be an interesting one. Uh, But for now, thanks for listening to Cult Movie Cult. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you have any cult films you'd like to hear us discuss on the show, or if you'd like to officially join the cult and be a guest on the show, please feel free to reach out to us at cultmoviecult at gmail.com. This has been Cult Movie Cult, and until next time, so long from the other side.